The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. How is everyone doing here on a fresh and beautiful episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk? I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and thank you so much for joining me for episode number 135. Absolute blast and pleasure to be behind the mic yet again here on Monday. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend, whatever you were doing, trying to enjoy uh, the beautiful weather, if you were able to experience a little bit of that, or the dreadful rain that we also experienced here in New England, but... If you had sunshine, fantastic. If you had some snow, I'm sorry. If you had rain, I hope you stayed dried. But we have a bunch of stuff to talk about today. I want to kind of talk about the Red Sox just a little bit. I also want to talk about the Celtics clinching the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. And of course, I kind of want to touch upon a couple of draft notes from my mock draft 1.0. But before we do any of that, I must say thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying this episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am greatly appreciative of every single one of you downloading, listening, and enjoying. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you listen to this episode on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. And if you do enjoy today's episode, I really hope that you can like, comment, and subscribe to the channel as well as I am on my quest to 250 subscribers. In the, in the grand scheme of things, it's a small milestone, but to me, it's a very big milestone, so I can't wait to hopefully, hopefully accomplish that feat very soon. Before we do talk about our main topics today, I do kind of want to touch upon the unfortunate news that happened yesterday, yesterday morning, and that was the passing of Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't want to talk too much about it because, you know, I'm very high energy. I like to talk, you know... Nothing about bad things. I always like to stay good and just keep talking about the good here on this podcast. But when a major news headline pops up, regardless of its uh, emotional presence, I do like to talk about it and just touch upon it because it's news. And it could happen to any of us, unfortunately. And Dwayne Haskins did pass away yesterday morning. Some people did hear the news about it. He passed away, I think I heard on the radio they were saying like 6.30 in the morning, 6, 6.30 in the morning, as he got hit by a dump truck as he was trying to cross the highway down in Florida. Uh, you know, I'm going to keep my comments to myself about his actions because this is not the time or the place to express those comments right now. But all I want to do is just send my condolences to the Hashkins family, all his loved ones, family and friends. Uh, it's such a terrible terrible instance in one's life to have to you know wake up Sunday morning and find out that your loved one your your family your friend or whoever passed away and like I said it could happen to any of us so definitely make sure next time you see 
your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your best friend, your aunt, your uncle, whoever it may be, grandparents, cousins. You know, just let them know how you feel about them. You know, let them know that you love them because any given second, something crazy and unfortunate and terrible could happen. And I would absolutely hate to just just see it happen again and again and again. And it's going to. Unfortunately, life happens. Life happens. And this isn't the first and it won't be the last. But just make sure, you know, when you can, send love and send gratitude to family and friends. Because you just never know what what kind of news you might wake up with or what kind of terrible, terrible headlines you might see on the internet, on TV, on the computer, wherever, on your phone. But it, it, it's a sad day uh, yesterday. And it's totally unfortunate. All the details have not been expressed or released yet on what Haskins was doing on the highway at that early in the morning, why he was crossing. Uh, it's just there's so much unknown still. And when it does come out, hopefully we can get some clarification and a little bit of you know clarity on the whole situation of what he was doing, why he was doing it. But regardless regardless you know it is a very sad day and again i do want to express and extend my condolences to the haskins family everyone that loved and cared for Dwayne. obviously he was a fantastic fantastic standout at ohio state drafted in the first round by the washington redskins at the time now commanders and then he was with the pittsburgh steelers most recently could he have gotten another shot at a starting role this season Absolutely. Could he have beaten out Mitch Trubisky or whoever the Steelers may bring in or have on their roster? Absolutely. He has a ton of talent, and it's going to be a damn shame that we're not going to be able to see that talent mature, develop, and grow post his Washington days and into moving on into 2022. So a life cut short. It's a life, a young, young life that was cut too short. He was going to be 20. Five, I believe, on May 3rd, something like that, 24, 25. So, I mean, the dude's younger than me. And unfortunately, he passes away. But I don't want to spend too much time on this very sensitive, sad topic. I just do want to give my respects and express my my condolences. But let's, you know, pivot and talk about the Red Sox. And it'll give me, give me a couple minutes to kind of you know, reshift my energy. You know, you guys know I'm a high energy kind of guy. And, you know, there are times where I'll start with, you know, a story like this or something very upsetting and sad and depressing. So it'll just give me some time to adjust myself to really bring that energy back. But Red Sox lost two of three to the Yankees over opening day weekend. They were able to salvage yesterday's Sunday's game against the Yankees in the Bronx after losing the first two games. It's still early in the season. It's still early in the season. There's really nothing that we can do right now in terms of reacting. I mean, we can't overreact to it because, I mean, it's game, what, one, two, and three? So, I mean, is there absolute, is there takeaways? For sure. There's absolutely takeaways from opening day weekend. And I just don't think 
we can bury this team just yet. I mean, this every team is still trying to figure itself out. I mean, Yankees were able to win two of three, but they're still figuring themselves out. And the Red Sox are as well. And a positive takeaway that I have from this weekend is that they were able to hit the ball. They were able to put the ball in play. They were able to get hits, score runs, hit a couple dingers. Offense, the lineup looked really good. I mean, Trevor Story wasn't a part of the win yesterday. But you know what? That just shows how deep the lineup is in terms of its offensive power and if it's in its offensive capabilities. Now, obviously, you know, Trevor Story is going to turn things around. Every player is going to turn things around, hopefully. And some players that start hot are going to cool down, and, you know, the slow start players are going to get hot. It just happens. Happens in baseball, happens every year for every team, every player, and in every sport. But the thing I really want to touch upon that I'm a little weary on and something I'm very hesitant about is the Red Sox pitching staff. I just don't think they have what it takes. And again, I don't want to sit here and just you know rail the Red Sox pitching staff for this weekend. Again, it's three games. Let me pull up the Red Sox schedule. I mean, they have a tough schedule uh, to start the season. Red Sox schedule. Why can't I type Red Sox schedule? Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Let's see what we got here. What we got? What we got? Uh, okay, we got the Tigers today at 510. We got, we got, so we got three with the Tigers in Detroit. And then we come home for opening day at Fenway Park on the 15th. That's a Friday against the Minnesota Twins. Then you got the Blue Jays. You got the Rage. You got the Jays again. You get the Orioles. So, I mean, you're going to be facing good competition early in the season. I can guarantee that. You will be facing good competition early in the season. But the thing with the Red Sox pitching staff is I just don't think they can handle it. I I mean, having Chris Sale out is one thing. You bring in James Paxson, he's out. That's a completely different thing because your staff isn't so reliant on James Paxton. However, your pitching staff is reliant on Chris Sale. It just kind of helps everything fall into place. It allows Pavetta to be the three. It allows Hauk to be the four. And then you can have whoever be the five, whether it's Paxton or Rich Hill. Or if you want to give Cutter Crawford some starts, there can be that can be your fifth starter. That makes more sense. And I actually don't mind that rotation. But the bullpen, though, is absolutely struggling. And yeah, it was four runs on Saturday. Okay. Three runs against the Yankees yesterday. Okay. But that opening day game against the Yankees, once Nathan Evaldi came out of the game, was absolutely dreadful. I'm just trying to scroll down to the pitching. Uh, Pavetta gave up all the runs on Saturday. Uh, Austin Davis got it out. Sawamore and Valdez pitched two scoreless innings together. So there's progress there. But again, I'm going to be saying this for a while. It's one game. Then you look at the game on last uh, last night. Hauk gave up all three runs. Then you got Brazier, Crawford, Stram, Robles, and Dykeman all pitching shutout baseball. But do you guys feel confident <laughs> with that? I mean, yes, it's fantastic that they were able to throw some shutout baseball against the Yankees, who are projected to do fairly well this year and who are projected to have a good lineup in and of themselves. But I mean, 
Do we feel confident with our bullpen after this weekend's performance? I mean, Sunday was very nice. I'll admit, Sunday was a very nice performance by Brazier, Crawford, Strom, Robles, and Dykeman. I'll admit it. It was, it was a nice showing. But do you feel confident with that Red Sox bullpen moving forward or the Red Sox rotation in general moving forward? Evaldi was able to pitch five innings. Okay, I'll take that, I guess. I mean, that's kind of what we're used to these days. Nick Pavetta, five and two-thirds. Almost got through six innings. I can live with that. Tanner Houck, three and a third innings. I can't live with that. I, That's terrible. And again, I'm not trying to overreact as it's only games one, two, and three. Come the end of April, early May, when we have a little bit bigger of a sample size and we can kind of start seeing where things are going to fall into place, then we can kind of have a little overreaction or we can necessar- uh, yeah, react necessarily to what has unfolded. But exiting thoughts of opening day weekend for the Red Sox. I mean, they lost the two games by a run and then two runs on Saturday. And it's against the Yankees opening day. I mean, every team's going to go through it. Every single team is going to go through it. I mean, people have high expectations for the Twins that they started one and two. I mean, people have high expectations for the Rangers and the Angels. They're one and two and one and three, respectively. I mean, uh, let's see. People expect the Marlins to suck, the Nationals to suck. Uh, The Brewers, they're one and two to start the season. Dodgers, they're one and two to start the season. And the uh, Rockies are two and one. So, I mean, it's going to be all over the place for a little bit. It's going to be all over the place for a little bit. And like I said, I don't want to overreact early. I'm just giving you some exiting thoughts from opening day weekend for the Red Sox. Once we get to 40, 60 games into the season, excuse me, once we get to around 25%, maybe a little bit more, then we can kind of really dive into what this team is looking like. All right, the bullpen does really suck. Okay, we actually do need Chris Sale, or we need to go out and get us a pitcher of some sort, starter or reliever. I mean, the closer, that's going to be a question mark still as we proceed through the rest of uh, the early stages of the season into that about 40 to 60 game mark that I've stamped. Jake Dykeman looked pretty good last night as the, you know, closing that game out. Is he going to be the Red Sox closer moving forward? Who knows? I know Alex Cora said he's not going to name a, a closer. There's still Whitlock that's available. Matt Barnes, Hansel Robles. Could you see Ryan Brazier do some closing? I don't know. But Jake Dykeman did look good. Closing out on Sunday night, he did look terrible Friday against the Yankees. But, hey, it's games one, two, and three. So, I like where the Red Sox are at right now. It could have been a million times worse, but it could also have been a little bit better. Just to recap, we got three against the Tigers in Detroit. And then Friday is opening day against the Twins. That game kicks off at 2.10 in the afternoon. Very, very exciting to see the uh, Red Sox back at Fenway Park, and I cannot wait for that game or that series because Monday at 11.10, April 18th, is when the Red Sox play on Marathon Monday. Always a glorious and joyous day to have baseball in the early morning. Absolutely. We'll take it any day of the week, but I'm just kind of figuratively speaking. All right, let's move on here to the Celtics as the Celtics were able to clinch the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. That is crazy. Good for them. 
Uh, Celtics finished the season 51 and 31 as they finished the season on a 7 and 3 run in their last 10 games as they were able to clinch the 2 seed uh this thing says the 3 seed uh let's see NBA playoff bracket 2022 10 hours ago all right let's see let's see yes Boston as the 2 seed just wanted to double check Miami already clinched up the one seed as they finished two games better than the Celtics uh, due to records and tiebreakers and such. The Bucks and the 76ers, who finished with the same record as the Celtics, finished as the three and the four seed, respectively. The 76ers and the Raptors will be facing off each other against each other in the first round as the 4-5 matchup. The Bucks will be taking on the Chicago Bulls as the 3-6 matchup. Then in the play-in tournament, you have the Atlanta Hawks as the 9 and the Charlotte Hornets as the 10. And then on the other side of the play-in tournament, you have the Brooklyn Nets as the 7 and the Cleveland Cavaliers as the 8. The loser of the 7-8 game will play again in the play-in tournament as the winner of that 7-8 game will go on to face the Celtics. Then you have the winner of the 9-10 playing against the loser of the 7-8 and the winner of that game will go on to play against the Miami Heat. The loser of the 9-10 game will be eliminated. So, we saw this first last year, I believe it was. I don't know, did we see it in the bubble? Uh, I think we did see it for the first time in the bubble. But it wasn't like anything official. I don't think. But we did see it last year because the Celtics played in that game last year. And they won. I think they played against the Wizards. They won. Then they got whooped by the, the Nets in the first round. So, again, Miami is the one, and they will get the winner of the 9-10 and the winner of the 7-8 game, which is that you know that second play-in game. Celtics will get the winner of the 7-8 game just straight up. The loser of the 9-10 will get eliminated. The loser of the 7-8 will move on to the second play-in game where the winner of the 9-10 and the loser of the 7-8 will go on. That winner will play the Miami Heat. I know it's very, very confusing. Let's just jump over to the West real quick, and then we'll circle back and talk about the Celtics. Phoenix Suns, uh, the best team in the NBA by far, finishing 64-18. and A phenomenal season in their own right. They are the one seed, and they will host the eight seed, whoever that may be. I'll get to that in a few moments. Dallas Mavericks finished with the four seed, and they'll be facing off against the Utah Jazz as the five seed. Golden State Warriors and the Denver Nuggets will be the three-six matchup with the Warriors as the three and the Nuggets as the six. Memphis Grizzlies having a fantastic season in their own right, playing absolute great basketball the entirety of the season. They are the two seed, and they'll get the winner of the seven-eight matchup, which is the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Clippers. The loser of that game will go on to the second play-in game where they will play against the winner of the 9-10 matchup between the New Orleans Pelicans and the San Antonio Spurs. The winner of that second play, that second round of the play-in game will go on to face against the Phoenix Suns in the official first round of the playoffs. That is everything that is the current setup for the NBA uh, I almost said tournament, NBA playoffs for 2022. Let's talk Celtics here. Like I said, they finished 7-3 in their last 10 games, and 
they turned it around. They completely turned their season around in a miraculous fashion, finishing 51-31. and 31. I saw a stat somewhere. Oh, I forget where it was. I think it was since the All-Star break. Or at the All-Star break, the Celtics and the Lakers had roughly the same exact record. I think maybe like a game off. Since the All-Star break, the Celtics finished uh, 16-5, and five, something like that, I believe. And the Lakers finished like, I don't know, it was like 5-8, and eight, 16, something like that. It was like literally almost uh, vice versa, swapped. And as you could see, the Celtics played well. They were able to earn the two seed as the Lakers fell all the way down to the 11th seed as they don't even get to sniff the play-in tournament. Uh, they finished 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games, and if they were able to go, say, 5-5, five and five, they would probably be uh, – actually, they would be the the ninth seed as the Spurs would have got kicked out and, they, and the Lakers would be hosting the Pelicans in that 9-10 game. The West, very, very competitive this year. I mean, the Suns finished eight games above the Grizzlies. Then you got the Grizzlies. This is supposed to be about the Celtics. <laughs> this is supposed to be about the Celtics, excuse me. But the East was also competitive in its own right. It's just there's so much more talent and so much more firepower in the West than there is in the East. But the East was very competitive. You have the Heat, the Bucks, the Celtics, the 76ers, Raptors, Bulls, all guaranteed in the playoffs. Now, yes, you could still face the Nets in that first round. Is that worst-case scenario? Would you rather play the Cavs? American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Me personally, I'd rather play the Cavs. They're streaky right now. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games, where the Nets are 6-4 and four in their last 10 games. Kyrie Irving will be playing home games for the Brooklyn Nets, and I believe he has been playing home games now. Correct me if I'm mistaken. Cavaliers are a young, good team. They have a lot of young, superstar-level talent on that team. But I just think they're a year too early. Earlier in the season, they were flirting around the 1, 2, 3, 4 seeds, then they did fall down a little bit. But you know what? That happens. Look at the Celtics. They shot up. Next year, I think the Cavaliers will be a little bit better once you bring in some veterans and kind of you work off of last year, well, being this year now. I would like to see the Cavaliers if I'm being completely honest. I just, a seven-game series with the Nets, we saw it last year. Granted, they don't have James Harden anymore. Ben Simmons isn't playing in the playing game, but we'll see if he gets uh, uh, available to play in the first round of the playoffs if they do advance. But as the Celtics, though, I'm confident in whoever they face, whether it's the Nets or the Cavaliers. I am confident. They've been playing well, and I really do like their chances. Yes, they don't have Time Lord, and they could absolutely use him, but you know what? 
We can't worry about that. We can't look at the what ifs or the only ifs, whatever it may be. You will get matched up with the winner of that 7-8 game, whoever it is, whether it is the Nets, whether it is the Cavaliers. You must prepare accordingly. The Nets have Durant. They have Harden. I mean, I'm sorry. They have Durant. They have Irving. But you, the Celtics, you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown playing out of their mind, Marcus Smart, arguably the defensive player of the year, playing out of his mind. Al Horford looks like he's 10 years younger. The team is cohesive. Their defensive presence is remarkable. And they can score. They could shoot the lights out of the ball. And they're playing team basketball. You know, for the past three and a half months now, at the right time, it has stayed consistent. It hasn't faltered. It hasn't fizzled. And if it does in the playoffs, oh, that's the wrong time to do that. That is the absolute wrong time to fizzle and sizzle out. I don't think they will. I don't think they will. Like I just talked about the Red Sox in baseball. Early in the season, teams will start off hot and they will sizzle out. Teams will start off cold and they'll heat up. In basketball, I like to look at basketball and hockey. I like to look at 25 games, 20 to 25 games to kind of see where things are going to fall into place. uh, I let the Celtics finish their road trip, uh, which put them at 27 total games in the season. And I was like, I'm done talking about them. This was in season one. Done talking about them. Because they were underperforming and they weren't playing good basketball at all. I stopped talking about them and then I quickly recapped them before, you know, the end of season one as they were heating up. But I didn't want to buy into it. I didn't want to buy into the moment. Because I've seen it too many times. They rip off great stretches. They make you buy in and then they, you know, break your heart. But this year, is this year different for the Celtics? Is 2022 different for the Celtics? Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that they have the shot. They have a shot at the NBA Finals. But they, yes, they do. But I'm not going to say that the favorite or it's championship or bust for this team, which it kind of is. But when you have the Heat... When you have the Bucks, 76ers playing well, the Suns playing tremendous, the Grizzlies, the Warriors. I mean, there's tons of good teams out there that will be in your way. I will say that getting to the conference finals probably is a must. I mean, again, Boston, New England, we have championship aspirations. We do. We expect nothing but the best, whether it's for the Celtics, the Red Sox, Bruins, and the Patriots. All four of those teams have won our hearts over and given us joy. All four of those teams have broken our hearts and put us into depression. This Celtics team was giving us that depression early in the season, but they have won us over, and they have been doing it consistently. That's the thing. It's not like they went you know, on a 10-game winning streak or they won 12 out of 15. No, 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 no. They started from New Year. And it's now April 11th, three, almost, three and, almost three and a half months into the season, or I don't know, from that point, three and a half months from that point, and they're still playing this kind of basketball. I mean, they just beat the Grizzlies last night. A very good win, a very big win. I mean, I don't have the stats for it. I don't really care for it. Okay, well, let's just look. They beat them by 29 points. Okay, but... The Grizzlies weren't playing anybody. Okay, no Desmond Bain, no Steven Adams, no, uh, what's his name? 
John Morant. Why did I hesitate on that? But the Celtics threw out there Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Al Horford. They threw everything they had at him. And I think that was a good tune-up game for the Celtics. I really do. I want the Celtics to succeed. I want them to win. Is it realistic? Yes. But I'm not going to sit here and say they're absolutely going to do it. Like, if we were uh, a Phoenix Suns podcast, all right, we're 64-18, and 18, eight games above the Grizzlies, who are the second-best team. We're 6-4 and four in our last 10. We did not lose double-digit games at home or on the road, finishing 32-9, and nine, both home and away. This is our year. We made it to the, the finals last year. We lost to the Bucks. Good team. We're back. We're ready. We're healthy. We got the same team. We got better. This is our year. We expect to win. That's what people in Phoenix are saying and Arizona are saying about the Suns. That's not the Celtics team. People in Phoenix expect to win this year. People here in Boston, we expect to win every year, yes. But this year, progress. Let's get to the Eastern Conference Finals, see who we're matched up against, and go from there. I would love to dive into the Celtics and their first-round matchup more today. I just don't know who they're playing. If they were in the four, if they were in the three, the four, five, six, then we can talk about it. Even if they were in the playing tournament, we can talk about that matchup. However, that's not as fun as, hey, we don't know who we're going to play with. So on Friday, then we can talk about that matchup. Because we'll know who we're playing, whether it is the the Nets or whether it is the Cavaliers. And it's going to be very exciting. It will absolutely be exciting when we find out who we're going to be playing up against when we come when we reconvene for Friday's episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. That will be episode 136. If you made it to this point in the episode, I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying, as I greatly appreciate the love and support. If you're listening to this on YouTube, Please make sure you like the video, comment any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns down below in the comment section, and please subscribe to the channel as I would greatly appreciate that as I'm on my way to 250 subscribers. I am oh so close. I can almost taste it. If you want to reach out to me via social media, you can absolutely do that at Murph's Car Town. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook as well. Again, that's at Murph's Car Town. I would absolutely love to have a conversation with you on social media as well so my last topic today's episode is i want to circle back to my 2022 nfl mock draft 1.0 i do have some follow-up thoughts that i do want to talk about from this mock draft that i released and again 2.0 will be releasing sometime this week i'm not exactly sure when and i'm very excited to get on then i've already made a few adjustments but Let's talk about 1.0 real quick, and I do want to talk about a few things. The Jets, they have 4-10. and 10. I talked about this last episode. They have 4-10. and 10. They have a lot of options. They could obviously take 4, move back, grab some more assets and more capital. They could take 10 and some other things and try to move up. What makes the most sense for them there at 10? You already got the quarterback. You already got a running back. You got one solid receiver, two solid receivers, excuse me. And your defense, eh, your defense could use a lot of work. And I have them taking Sauce Gardner at four, and I have them taking Drake London at 10. I just, I, 
I think Drake London would be really good to throw alongside Elijah Moore and Braxton Berrios to give Zach Wilson a fleet of receivers to throw to. I really do like that. But is that realistic when you already have two good receivers in Berrios and Elijah Moore? So does it make sense to extend yourself at 10 when the wide receivers are so deep and you could probably get one in the second, third, fourth round even? So, I mean, there's some question marks there for me at 10 with the Jets. And then number four with Sauce Gardner, I just, I mean, he's sliding down some big boards and he's probably going to slide down mine when I release 2.0. He is the best cornerback in this draft, but do the Jets want to take a corner at four though? When you can take a, a D lineman, an edge rusher, if Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame is there at four, do you take him if the top three teams pass on him? I mean, obviously you have Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU that you could also take at four. No need for a quarterback. No need for uh, an offensive tackle, I don't think. But always having, you know, you have Mecca Becton on the left side. You can draft um, Ikonwu if he's there or Evan Neal if he's there at four. You can have them play right, uh, right tackle. Evan Neal has some experience at guard. You can have him play left or right guard there as well. So the Jets do have some options and some possibilities which as a Patriots fan with the division as tough as it is is something you need to keep your eye on because the Patriots only have pick 21 okay the Jets have two picks in the top 10 they're going to be able to move up and down the draft board if they want to they're going to be able to make some moves if they want to and they're going to draft two very good prospects coming out of this draft so they already have their rookie or their second year quarterback now they already have a couple good receivers, a good running back. The moves that they make could really help vault the Jets into, I don't want to say a legitimate contender, but someone that you can't just chalk up two, two wins against anymore, especially if we do see progression from Zach Wilson, which people in New York are expecting, and I'm probably expecting myself. So the Jets' selections at 4-10 and 10 is something to keep note about. The Carolina Panthers at 6. I have them taking Malik Willis, the quarterback, out of Liberty. But again, I don't think a quarterback should be taken in the top 10 or in the top 15. I kind of said, you know, in the teens at the earliest. In a perfect world, I don't think any of these quarterbacks should be taken in the first round. Just my humble opinion. I don't think the Panthers will reach and take a quarterback at 6. I just, I don't know. They Could they be desperate enough and they, and they do it? Sure. Would be the better play to, I don't know, move back with the Commanders or the Vikings, get a few more assets, I talked about this before, and then take your quarterback of choice? Yes. But he's not guaranteed to be there when the Falcons come up, when the Seahawks come up, or hell, even the Commanders, when they come up, they might take a quarterback. Now, if you like Malik Willis and you like Kenny Pickett and you're kind of torn between the two, then taking the chance to move back might be the better play here because then like oh if one's taken like all right it was meant to be we'll take the other one you know you can kind of convince yourselves of a little superstition that way I mean you still have Sam Darnold I think he could still be a serviceable quarterback to some degree maybe not long term but short term at least would you be better off waiting to next year's draft possibly I mean you still have a good team or a good foundation of a team I think the team, the overall team, the overall smart thing to do for the team. Sorry, I'm getting my words mixed up. 
is to move back, I think. I don't think you're going to be able to solve all your problems at six. Because if you don't take a quarterback, what are you going to do? Are you going to take a, uh, a wide receiver there? Are you going to take a defensive lineman there or an edge rusher? I mean, you seem pretty solid at those positions. Now, obviously, there's no problem with bolstering and, you know, retooling at any position, really. I mean, could you take a cornerback? You drafted J.C. Horn in the first round last year. You can still bring back Stephon Gilmore. So I just don't see them taking a cornerback either. I Could they go offensive line if there's still a one available like a Evan Neal? Sure. I think taking like a Tyler Lindbaum too early would be foolish. So there's some options and some things there that the Panthers are going to have to try to figure out. And could they trade up? I mean, I don't think they will. But obviously you could package six and some other things and what, move up to three? What is that going to get you? Sauce Gardner, Kyle Hamilton. I mean, Sauce Gardner might be there at six. Evan Neal might be there at six. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson won't be. Iki Okanu probably won't be. So the Panthers are in a little bit of a tricky spot there. That's something I also want to talk about as well. Uh, let's see, where else? I mean, the middle of the draft is controlled by the Eagles and by the Saints, where the Eagles have 15 and 18, and the Saints have 16 and 19. In my mock draft 1.0 that I released on social media, I do have 15 and 16 mixed up between the Eagles and the Saints. I do want to reiterate that that should not be like that. My mock draft does not change, though, as I still have the Eagles taking Trent McDuffie at 15 and Trevor and the Saints taking Trevor Penning at 16. Just the, the mistake there having that vice versa does not change anything at all for those two teams and in the grand scheme of things. So I just want to be clear in case you are following online with my mock draft in front of you if you're listening on so, um, audio-only platforms and you're looking at like my Instagram or Facebook. So I just want to be clear about clear about that. But again, the middle of the draft right there, or just about the middle of the draft, is controlled by those two teams. The Eagles could package up 15 and 18 and move up. The Saints could package 16 and 19, move up. A team in the 20s or in the 30s could try to find a package to move up to 18 or 19, when, you know, that second pick of the Eagles and the Saints, respectively. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do. And you got the Chargers kind of jammed in the middle right there. I mean, the things things are going to be moving all around them, and they already have been, and they're going to be like, oh, what do we do? <laughs> and they're just going to be kind of stuck in the middle of it. So I do expect a lot of maneuvering on the draft board from not just those two teams, but just teams in general. Again, the Texans have two picks in the top 13 at 3-13. and 13. The Jets have two in the top 10 at 4-10. and 10. The Giants, two in the top 10, 5-7. and seven. Then you got the Eagles at 15-18. and 18. The Saints at 16-19. and 19. Then later in the draft, you got the Packers at 22-28. and 28. You also have the Chiefs at 29-30. and 30. A lot of maneuvering. And then if you want to even count the Lions, uh, they got two and they got 32. I don't see them moving up or anything, but could they package 32 and uh, the second pick of the second round and get, I don't know, to where Dallas is or where Buffalo is? I mean, maybe. I mean, that actually wouldn't be a bad move for Buffalo, if I'm being honest. I have them taking Brees Hall at 25. I don't see another team anywhere in the 20s or even the 30s needing a running back. So as I'm expressing this to you right now, I literally am convincing myself that this is a genius idea for the Bills because he's not going to – Brees Hall will not be there. 
uh, by their 25th pick in the second round. So if the Lions approach them with 32 and 2 to swap for uh, 25, I would do that because you'll get the second pick in the second round and you'll get 32 where you'll be able to take Brees Hall there. Meanwhile, you're going to get an extra pick two picks later just on day two. I mean, are there other needs for the Buffalo Bills at 25? Sure. I mean, some people are saying wide receiver. I think that's kind of a stretch. Could you always shore up the defensive line? Yes, but you just brought in Vaughn Miller. Obviously, quarterbacks off the board. I don't think they need a linebacker. I haven't checked their offensive line. Could they take an offensive lineman, whether it's a Zion Johnson, the guard center? Could they take a, a Tyler Smith, excuse me, who's an offensive tackle guard? I mean, I don't see it happening, but, you know, uh, Bernard Raymond, actually, I mean, I do see that happening. Bernard Raymond falling down in the draft, you know, falling to 25 if they want to take another tackle. Trevor Penning won't fall. He'll be taken in that middle round between the Saints and the Chargers. I guarantee it. So there's a lot of maneuverability for a bunch of teams. And, you know, like I said, I think that's a really smart move for the, for the Bills to kind of fall down in the draft a little bit, grab another pick. I mean, would that be smart for the Lions? It depends on who's there at 25 that they want. I mean, they're not going to be taking a Brees Hall, but do they want a Traylon Burks? Do they want a George Karlaftis? Do they want Zion Johnson themselves? Uh, Tyler Smith, if he's there, Jermaine Johnson's there, would that be a bad pick? Absolutely not. But then you are giving up 32 and you're giving up two. So you're not going to be able to take Matt Coral, who I have in my mock draft at 32, them taking. And I think taking a quarterback at that 32nd pick is going to be really beneficial for them long term because Jared Goff isn't the starter long term. We all know that. Matt Coral, who's coming back from injury, can sit out a little bit. You ride with Jared Goff. And then next year in 2023, Hopefully you'll have your quarterback. We last saw the Baltimore Ravens do this at 32 by taking Lamar Jackson. He was sitting behind Joe Flacco. Then Lamar Jackson took over for Joe Flacco. And, you know, the rest is now history for Lamar Jackson. Not going to say that Matt Coral is going to turn into Lamar Jackson. But, you know, the storyline could repeat itself potentially. So those are just some follow-up thoughts that I have on my mock draft 1.0. I would like to think 2.0 will be out for Friday's episode. Don't quote me on that, but it could be. And that could be a topic that we find ourselves discussing about on Friday's episode, episode 136. However, that is going to wrap up today's episode, episode number 135 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. And I really want to thank you audio-only listeners for downloading, listening, and joining as I greatly appreciate the love and support. If you're listening to this episode on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. Please make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the channel if you're new or have not considered subscribing, as I would greatly appreciate the love and support. If you have anything you want to talk about or follow up on regards to today's topics, please reach out to me at Murph's Card Town if you're listening on audio-only platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, you name it. That is where you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. And if you're listening on YouTube, leave those down in the comment section below as I'd love to read and have a conversation with you over there. But again, that is going to do it. Enjoy the week. We're supposed to have some interesting weather today and over the course of the week. It's supposed to get up to 62 today, and it's going to be 69.70 tomorrow here in the, the Johnston, Rhode Island area. 50% rain. Ugh. 
But then 72, no rain on Thursday. Warm weather's on the horizon, but next week it's going to be in the 50s again with rain. So it's it's all over the place right now. It's spring. It's New England. What do you expect? Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy everything you're doing. And again, make sure you let your loved ones, friends, and families know how you truly feel about them and giving them love and expressing that to them because you just never, never know what could happen in life. Rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins. And again, I send my condolences to the Haskins family. But again, that is going to wrap it up. I will catch you in the next one. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you. And I will always, always see you.